that's a growler. Hello and welcome back to the never-ending minute where we analyze, scrutinize, and nightmareize <laughs> the movie The Never-Ending Story. I'm Thomas Howitt. I'm Tierney Steele, and with us again today, Chris Callahan. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you. Chris, are you well fed and ready to go? I think so. <laughs> All right. Food in my stomach, ready to rock. <laughs> All right. I'll speak. Oh, I really wish Rockbiter was in this minute because oh, then we could have done Speaking of Rock. <laughs> Darn it. Oh. Now, Minute 28 has many things in it other than Rockbiter. It begins with Tierney jumping a mile as two glowing eyes appear in the darkness. Oh, I, can, it, I might have bad dreams tonight because of oh, this. Oh, well, it ends with the horse insisting it's time to eat. So it all comes to a yes. happy place. And I'm going to get voted out of this podcast because I mean the scariest thing is so we're getting closer and closer and closer to this dark cave and we hear the growl and we know something's in there so you're looking in the darkness you're trying to look really carefully see what there is and then all of a sudden there's a music cue and eyes wow you cannot help jumping it's so like out of nowhere all of a sudden it's just like and there they are and it wouldn't it'd be scary regardless and again, you have the music cue to tell you, hey, this is a scary part. But it's the fact that, like, for, what, 10 seconds you've just been staring at this blackness trying to discern any movement? You're, you're actively describing my nightmare, Tierney. Come on. <laughs> um, well, so then you, there's a flash of lightning so you can see the wolf's body. Nightmares are not getting better. Chris is also looking very disturbed. And my first reaction even as an adult and as a kid, is puppy. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> it's a puppy! You know, it's it's common practice as we're going through these myths to pause and write down your notes or whatever. And I made, I can't do it again, but I made the perfect pause earlier, somewhere around second seven. And it was the lit up version of everything. Mm-hmm. So you, like the lightning version, you can see the full on wolf. In in night in nightmare lightning lighting. <laughs> Sometimes puppies are mean, but that usually is just because they had an owner that is not very good. It is not the puppy's fault. And are you going to be sad if I tell them the story of what I call wolves to distinguish them from dogs? Oh, no, it's okay. okay, I just didn't want you to feel like I was giving all my secrets of cuteness. <laughs> but um, when I was a little kid, you, there were doggies and then there were wolves, but I couldn't say wolves, so I would call them woofs. So this is a woof. Okay. See, it's not as scary anymore. You can't be scared of a woof. That's true. I can <laughs> when their teeth are this big. Oh. I managed to get the, the freeze frame on the lit version again. And if, if you ever manage to do that, it's a really, really tiny cave that he's in. It is yeah. barely big enough for his body. Um, and which is, you know, probably Actually, because... Actually, no, will make the noise. <laughs> Probably because that's a puppet and they were just trying to get the front half of it. But um, it's a really, really small cave. Like his back would almost be scraping against the top of the cave. Well, if we want to be adult again, he's being born. A creature of darkness forms and begins his quest. So is this the birth cave, the the womb? Could possibly be the birthing canal right here. 
A U B cool. <laughs> that works. That that's very deep of us. <laughs> but yeah, I'm guessing that I love that it switches to his point of view shot as he takes off through the dark forest. Now that point of view shot I think is what I was talking about a few minutes or a couple weeks ago when we saw Rockbiter riding through the terrain. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of POV that the Rockbiter bike had, and now it's transitioned to the wolf, which I think is part of my reason for confusion. I spoke about it earlier how I remember wolves running through the ground like that, so I didn't know what was going on. Now we see why, because we get the same POV here. Mm-hmm. Well, the shot worked out so well the first time. Yeah, hey. <laughs> I was also curious, I don't know if it's mentioned in the book, but I thought it was really cool that you think usually like these evil creatures that have like red eyes, but the fact that they went with green, I thought was an interesting choice. Not sure if that was specified in the book at all about what I'm color not eyes. sure. Yeah. It I does wonder. do a great job of showing up on that black background with yeah. the... It's may- so cool. Maybe it's the way they were going to do the lightning or something that they decided the green would look better or something. Yeah. Just with a, I, don't know. I think it's really... Sin- that worked well, yeah. It's really sinister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. They're still good in him. I can feel it. <laughs> so we do actually finally get the the um the name of this creature that's going to be chasing them for this whole quest, and his name is Gamork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, once we transition to the nice scene, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> Bastion continues to narrate. You guys got off that scene rather quickly, <laughs> I noticed. I, I could still talk about Gamork more, but I think but I'm alone. Bastion does talk uh, talk about him in naming him that, that uh, Atreyu and Artax are completely clueless to the fact that they're being hunted by Gamork. So he's been named, and this set is beautiful. I love this set right Oh, here. it is yeah. so, just to show, again, like, I'm going to be the stereotypical girl, my favorite princess movie at the time that I was a little kid was Sleeping Beauty. And this is so Prince Philip and his horse. Yeah. In the beginning when they're in the woods stopping. I, I keep waiting for him to offer Artax some nice juicy carrots. Now I want to know if, if this is a set, how do they do flowing water like this on a set? That's amazing. I bet it's just, I mean, heck, you can have those little rock waterfall things in a house in a bowl i guess but... you just start it i mean probably have a little motor thing you know cycling through yeah it's a little corner of the and studio. this has to be a set this feels like a set Actually, oh yeah the flowers if, and stuff you can definitely if, tell if a curtain had pulled to either side at the beginning of the scene it would not have surprised well me. it basically did as they were going through the brush as the camera moved forward so you know uh it says They've been traveling aimlessly for almost a week, which matches actually in the book. I had forgotten how quickly it jumps to, uh, let's just say, the next big scene set piece without getting into it. But that happens in like the third chapter of the book. It's so quick. It's crazy. Pacing, I'm telling you, it's awesome in this movie. Yeah, Yeah, it's, but you get a feel, you know, like he says, this has been going on for a while. They've been traveling, they're not finding anything. So I just, it's good. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I definitely liked, yeah, this is that it just moved so fast. I forgot, yeah, in re-watching the movie, I forgot sort of what the whole time period for this. But, yeah, definitely thought it, it worked well. It looks good. Yeah. And it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wrote a couple more notes for our tax for this minute because we get to have a little one-on-one time with him and Atreyu. Um, <laughs> in the book, our tax actually speaks. 
Uh-huh. He's not just a horse. So they have a conversation at this point in the movie instead of just a nuzzling and a tree you knowing what he wants. They actually talk about it. Um, one of the other notes I have is that Artax is number four on the best movie horses list that I found. Ooh. Who's better than Artax? <laughs> <laughs> Let me find my list. Give me a moment because I know I know I kept it. Didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but yeah. I'm trying to think. I guess. Well, we didn't have Shadowfax at that oh, point. Oh yeah, Artax could be Shadowfax's ancestor <laughs> in his greatness. I kind of like that they didn't have Artax talk in the movie. That would have been a little bit tricky to pull off. I don't. Yeah, depending on how they'd want to make him speak, if they have like a weird puppet when it gets up close to his face, or see that'd be weird. Just, yeah, you don't want to make the horse look like it's talking because that's not cool in this day and age. You can only imagine upcoming scenes with the horse no, talking. It's, no, eh. well, yeah, we'll get into that. I I had mentioned that that in the book he is talking the whole time okay. and explaining, which I kind of like that it's just more stoic. Yeah. But in this scene, I just love it. As you're looking that up, I just have to, like, gush for a quick minute. Because I went to summer camp and loved it. And I took riding lessons. And it sounds very impressive to say I took riding lessons for five years. But it was only two weeks at a time. So it's really only a few months total. (laughs) But this is just the sweetest, makes me miss camp the most. Oh, my gosh. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love living with you here in Boston, but can I go to summer camp again, please? <laughs> it's a lot more fun than being a grown-up. <laughs> so I couldn't find the list that it was on there, but it had horses like the Black Stallion, Flicka, oh. the horse from Toy Story 2. Oh, yeah. And, I didn't see Toy Story. And other horses like that were in there. So he okay. had Black Stallion, I think I already said that. Yeah, had horses hmm. like that among the lists, but he was def- he's definitely been on every list that I've seen. Okay, well he sh- he should. I was a big fan of the horse books as a kid, so I read all the cause... Misty of Chincoteague. Thank that you for saying that because yeah. I was not brave enough to try and pronounce it. <laughs> um, I also my favorite. In case any listeners also know this book, I don't remember who it's by. Oh, I'd have to find it. It's called A Horse for X Y Z. And you should just Google it. I loved it as a kid. (laughs) I don't know how well it holds up now. It was not a very long book. It was written for 12-year-old girls who wanted a horse. But (laughs) that was one of the ones I remember rereading a billion times. And this is so sweet when he's, like, nuzzling and waking him up and saying, it's time to eat. (laughs) Yes. I, I could rewatch this scene over and over again. This one doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, that's a good good it's, finish it's to this to minute. make it up to you. Yes. <laughs> there's a there's this wonderful connection you can already see between Artax and Atreyu, or actually Noah Hathaway and the horse, where you know he's completely comfortable around this huge animal, and it doesn't matter. Or I'm trying to figure out what I want to say here. Just you can see the actual connection and chemistry between the two of them. I do think there is something to be said for casting actors that are comfortable around horses if they have to portray a relationship like this. Because I know, you know, you can fake an actor riding horses pretty easily, but if they're uncomfortable around horses, that's not going to come across well on film if their character is comfortable. Because I, again, I grew up around Wolves and puppies. Um, I had no problem with animals that were bigger than me. 
And I remember telling someone like, I can't understand why people are afraid of horses. And she was like, of course people are afraid of horses. They're huge. They're so big. They can take you out. And I was like, yeah, but they won't. Like, it just had never occurred to me that a horse was an animal you should feel afraid of. But I also, all a big animal. So it was just like, yep, no, this is cool. I'm smaller than you, but that's all right. Please don't eat me. We're good here. But I guess if people are uncomfortable around horses, even just having to lie there and pretend you're sleeping, knowing that the horse is right over you and about to touch your face, you would be so uncomfortable, like so tense waiting for it. And you, you're right. Noah Hathaway is just completely down with this, which so what is great. Do, what do you think they hid underneath Noah to make the horse nuzzle at him? in there. Look at the way his lip is moving. <laughs> There's food down there or a good smell. And it's true. Actually, um, when I took lessons, one of the jokes was um, if you ever fall off a horse, when you open your eyes again, the first thing you'll see is the horse standing over you. And when you're a little kid, they tell you, the horse comes to check on you to make sure you're okay because you fell off. And then when you get older and help the people running the stables, they tell you the horse is looking for food to see if there is any food on you that it can now reach because you're on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're very sweet. Childhood's destroyed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what we're about here on this podcast is destroying yes, childhoods. <laughs> totally. We're going to rip all your imaginations apart. <laughs> And make it so you don't want to believe in a place like Fantasia. We're single-handedly killing it. I know we are. No, no. We have to make everyone believe in Fantasia. Yes, Fantasia must go on. Yes. Oh, man. No, I just, this is so great. And I do love, because we know Bastion was very insistent that he was not drawing horses. He was drawing unicorns earlier. But you can definitely tell, yeah, he likes horses, too. Now, do you think it's an odd choice that they didn't go with the unicorn in this case because of that, that statement? I wouldn't have been surprised if they did that, but I think because of the way they have set up Atreyu as being a warrior of the plains people who hunts the purple buffalo, and then they cast an actor who's part Mohegan. I mean, I, I think they just were holding to a different mythology. Yeah, but I almost think like that scene where we saw him running by horses, they should have made those unicorns. They could have made those other horses unicorns. Exactly, to make it so that, you know, there's some more connection between huh. Fantasia and Bastion's actual imagination. Yeah, I would not have minded that. Yeah, when they run past, if those had just been unicorns. Like, hey, that works. Yeah, you think, because especially with like, the whole scene where he got the Orin, all the different types of people and stuff, you would think there'd be more... Yeah. yeah a unicorn would definitely fit in well. With, and those yeah. horses are just silhouetted. Yeah. So you can't be... tell me there aren't horses who would deal with having the horse. Because it's not like it's close up. Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't have to be super realistic. I mean, I'm sure they don't want to, because this was before easy CG. You know, this was before CGI. They don't want to have to go in and hand paint in horns. But you can get a fake horn. There's horses tame enough that they wouldn't it's, mind that for like. It's been done before. I mean, if you've seen the yeah. movie Legend with Tom Cruise, there's a unicorn then that in that movie. Yeah, it's definitely doable. We have a friend actually who ran the Boston Marathon as a unicorn. That's right. She had a little headband with a unicorn horn and ears, and when she was, she raised money for Brookline Public Library. And so you could sponsor her training miles. And for every $5 you donated, she would run a mile wearing her unicorn horn 
in Boston. Now, I almost don't think it, it should count if she didn't do it on all fours, though. That would be a long trip from Hopkintown. <laughs> it's all about challenging yourself for these, these fundraisers, though. Come on. Uh, well, it was her first marathon, so I'm pretty sure she felt challenged enough yeah. just finishing. Next one. <laughs> but yeah, that was, she became kind of, because, I mean, she trained for months running around Boston with this unicorn thing. So she became kind of a mini local celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> And then she did wear it during the actual race. Because by that point, it was just like, I got to do it. Like, I, can't, I can't run without my horn. Pretty much. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? There was something that reminded me of. Oh, um, speaking of local celebrities and synth and how we love the 80s-ness of this movie. Christopher, would you like to tell our listeners about someone they should look for? On the streets of Boston. Yes, throughout, much like that scene where he got the ore and all the weird characters around, there's one special character on Boston you can see called Keytar Bear. So throughout the city, every so often you hear some interesting keyboard noises. If you get closer, it's a guy in a big bear costume. I think based on the, from the movie Ted, that bear, but he's playing a keytar pretty well. Oh, yeah. So it's pretty Especially solid. when you consider he's in a bear costume. Yeah. He's I, I hope well. it's that. I hope it's the Ted Bear, not like Pedo Bear. No, it's no, no. Ted Bear. <laughs> Ted bear yes. Don't you worry. <laughs> yes, so make sure it's the right bear. And um, yeah, he's throughout the city. He's become a big fan. Sadly, he did get attacked not too long ago. Because people get drunk and are mean and stupid. <laughs> but people raise tons of money for him to give him a new speaker to make sure he's doing okay. And he appears. <laughs> He's been in local weddings and at like store openings. <laughs> well, do you guys have conferences. you guys? I challenge you now. Find some pictures for us to post up when this episode comes out that we can put up on site to go. Oh, along we with can the definitely story. do that. Chris loves a mission to find key tar bear, it's so we can. Definitely it's almost like do uh, geo geocaching, right? Yes, <laughs> it's like where's coordinates? But with Kitar, yes. so hey. perfect for you. Chris didn't play Pokemon Go. No, he just played Kitar Go. It's like gotta. Actually, yes. I believe sometimes he played Pokemon Go while finding Keytar Bear, actually. So... Pops up on the screen. Like, hey. Did you try to capture him? <laughs> he has layers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is kind of great, though, because, like, you'll be having a really crummy day. Or, like, you'll be walking to work on Monday morning because I work right by the big commuter station. And he'll just be out front playing happy 80s songs on his Keytar. And you're like, oh, this is... This is kind of nice. This makes me feel a little bit better as I walk into, you know, the giant office buildings of the financial district. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, that's the that's uh, been Tierney takes a tangent to tell people about cool things they should look for online. <laughs> if I ever make it to Boston, this is what I have to do. Yes, exactly. We have a lot of uh, colorful characters, just like this movie. <laughs> awesome. So do you guys have any other notes for this minute? Um, I love this. This is the cutest. I miss horse. Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> like the way he says, "Time to eat." Yes, time to eat. <laughs> yes, the declaration is is awesome. Yes. Uh, I think we'll get a little bit more of snack time next minute, right, and guys? <laughs> and speaking of eating, if if Chris wants to eat tomorrow, he's got to come back. That's right. But <laughs> that's, that's another, another story. story. It shall be told another time. <laughs> Wow, something is really different on a growler. I'm keeping your bones.